and welcome back to another episode of Weird Thing About That, where me and my fellow players are given a subject matter and uh, have to find the weirdest, coolest or funniest story on that subject. Players' stories will be scored by a head judge and the winner will be revealed at the end of the episode. I'm Chris and joining me today with sore eyes from too much crying in the bath, Joe. Hello. And with sore eyes from having his face stuck in poop, Chucky. <laughs> and once again in the judging seat, ciao. Hello. Ciao, if you can please have today's subject and how it will be scored, please. Uh, today's subject, you guys will be whamming us with your researched anecdotes of the big silver screen. Um, so this evening's discussion will be on movies. The winner of Rich will be receiving the Roman Polanski Award. And there is the M. Night Samalon Silver Spoon uh-huh. for our person who unfortunately brings up the rear end. <laughs> I would be honoured, Chris, if you would kick us off today with the uh, inaugural story. Hollywood changes some people, and some people change Hollywood. The cutthroat and seedy world of filmmaking is renowned for taking hopeful young talent, moulding them to how they want, and then discarding them to the curb when they no longer fit the bill. But some people have thicker skin, a stronger will, and a sort of immovable character who go on to make Hollywood legacies of themselves and shape the world of filmmaking around them as they go. I can think of no better example than this, than Sir Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee was born in London in 1922, the son of a Lieutenant Colonel who was a distant relative of US Civil War's Robert E. Lee, and a Countess who could trace her lineage all the way back to King Charlemagne from around 747 AD. But Lee wasn't always an actor. In fact, he started out his career as an RAF intelligence officer and served in military roles throughout the war. But most notably, at the age of 25, he became a member of the super-secret Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, who were known for espionage, sabotage, and reconnaissance against the Axis powers. Although the details of his operations are still under wraps to this day. When talking about his time in the war, we said, I've seen many men die right in front of me. So many, in fact, that I've become almost hardened to it. Having seen the worst that human beings can do to each other, the results of torture, mutilation, and seeing someone blown to pieces by a bomb, you develop a kind of shell, but you had to. You had to, otherwise we never would have won. In fact, during the filming of Lord of the Rings, director Peter Jackson asked Lee to imagine what a man being stabbed in the back sounds like, to which Lee responded that he didn't have to imagine it. Just before we get onto his illustrious filmmaking career, just a few other interesting points about his career. Firstly, Lee was multilingual, being fluent in English, Italian, French, German, and Spanish. He's also moderately proficient in Swedish, Russian, and Greek, and conversational in Mandarin Chinese. He was a master at fencing, and yet another interesting point is that acting is not the only one of the arts that Lee had a hand in. He was also a published author, penning, amongst other things, his autobiography, titled Tall, Dark, and Gruesome, along with his deep, powerful voice, as he was also a proficient opera singer. On top of this, at the age of 88, he recorded a heavy metal concept album based on his ancestor, King Charlemagne. Now, finally, onto his movie career. Being a cousin of Ian Fleming, he is said to be the real-life inspiration for James Bond and also appeared in a James Bond film as a villain. You see, with his six-foot-five frame and commanding voice, he soon found that playing a villain was his bread and butter, and he went on to portray Dracula, Lucifer, Death, Sith Lord Count Dooku in Star Wars, Saruman in Lord of the Ring, Frankenstein's Monster, and The Mummy. But this is a very condensed list as he is credited with having appeared in over 200 film and TV roles throughout his career. 
Lee was knighted for services to drama and charity in 2009, received the BAFTA Fellowship in 2011, received the BFI Fellowship in 2013, and was made a Commander of the Order of the British Empire, amongst many other awards. He died in 2015 at the age of 93, taking his war secrets to the grave with him and leaving behind a legendary legacy. Gentlemen, your rebuttals. I'm annoyed that he got an OBE for like drama and not for being ungentlemanly <laughs> fucking conduct. Like, <laughs> also, best gang to be in in the army, isn't it? Like, it sounds like the, it's from a Monty Python sketch, to be honest. But, yeah. It sounds like they went out in like bowler hats and just yeah. like kicked foreigners in the dick. Like... <laughs> Wedged people. There is, there is, a, there is a. There is a cruel irony to the fact that, you know, he went around stabbing Nazis and then got, yeah, got an award, you know, was more decorated for acting, playing make-believe than he, yeah, the middle playing make-believe than he ever was for actually services rendered well, to, that, I think, know, of, I think it's this, stopping fascism. He never spoke about it, did he? No. It, yeah, most of the um, details of his operations never, were still not no. public now, so. Those that, really? those that did stuff never spoke of it, my granddad always said. No. Um, because why would you? Well, there was that. There was that. Well, there was that stoicism, wasn't there? And you'd be digging a lot of stuff mm. up. There was a lot of. Uh, I think there was a lot of burying and, and cognitive. Yeah, people didn't talk about shit like that. About the, uh... Have you listened to that Charlemagne album? Uh, no, I was going to get it's it. It's genuinely pretty on. good. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's obviously it's not, not a great my voice, kind of thing, no. but I get it, and I love a good, I love a good concept album as yeah. well. I've seen the front cover, and it's him like sat on a big throne surrounded by flames, and it's like like eighty-eight. I was like, "This is great." That's That's just his house to blast that out. Yeah, told if 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 the Grim Reaper hadn't finally caught him and defeated him with trickery, he'd still be here now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, even there's pictures of um, there's pictures of him sort of in the army. And he looks sort of pretty normal, but his Adam's apple is so pronounced, and it's like obviously where he gets his like smouldering deep voice from. And Christopher Lee, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, he'd percent if yeah, if he was still around now, he'd he'd, he'd be doing a rap rock album. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he'd be there with uh, with Drake. big big star on TikTok, Christopher <laughs> Lee and his fizzy soda stream. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And then we'd be like, we had that idea first, Christopher Lee. And he'd be like, do something, bitches. And then it'd have to like be a Twitter beef. Yeah. <laughs> He's a great man. Uh, I hate James Bond films, though. Yeah. I just can't get into them. It's not for me. No. Apart from Golden Eyes, well, that's because it's got Bronholm in it. And that's because it had such a great game to go with it. I True. Think. Yeah. I think that that's sold like, it a lot more to me. I think that's like the third week in the row we mentioned Golden Eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I think they made a film for the video game. I know. Who'd have thought, eh? No RCPs, no jobs. Clubs. Clubs for everyone, you cowards. <laughs> Just grab <laughs> handfuls of bullets and throw them at people. It's much <laughs> more powerful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Cheers. You name going up six miles away. <laughs> Right, um, Chucky, could you um, enter our ear hole with your story, please? All, all right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry. Movies and films are one of those types of entertainment that everyone can get behind. Well, you know, except Michael Owen, who to today's date claims he has only ever watched 13 films. Though, to give him some credit he doesn't deserve, three of those films were Rocky Two, Three, and Four with some of the other 13 being Rocky 1 and Rocky 5, so I'm not going to pretend like he's some kind of movie connoisseur. Besides Michael Owen though, a footballer who once proclaimed, footballers these days often have to use their feet. The majority of people have a few favourite films that they'd be happy watching over and over, some more than others. 
But like how the Axis of Awesome broke down how most major hit songs can be replicated with the same four chords, the majority of popular films are also built using a set of plot devices and scenarios. As early as the 18th century, the repetition of themes and dramatic situations was noticed by a Venetian playwright, Carlo Gozzi. Though, a descriptive list of these dramatic situations wouldn't be published in a book until 1895 by French writer Georges Polti. Georges, continuing Gutsy's work, would endeavour to find examples and new situations by scouring classical Greek texts and French works, as well as a handful of non-French authors. He could only identify the same amount of these dramatic situations as Gutsy. But how many of these situations are there? 10? 20? 100? There's 36. Just 36 dramatic situations. Now it should be said that these situations and scenarios aren't just copy and pasteable ready-made plots you can slide into any story, but instead an amalgamation of things that work together to make a cohesive plot point. The copy and pasteable recurring actions that appear in stories are tropes. Like how many times have you seen a supporting character disappear at the end of the first act to rejoin the main group at the start of the final act with the solution to everyone's problems? Or perhaps, when a team is working together to discover a critical weakness of an enemy, one of the supporting character yells, Guys, you might want to take a look at this, to reveal the typical one to two short sentences explaining something that won't be immediately understandable, until the main character reveals that important context that only they knew or discovered moments before dispatching a film. It's funny to me then, that something as creative as writing a story or screenplay can often have engineering-like scaffolds in place for people to use to help guide the development of a plot and for them to reckon with the overarching goals of characters and foes. As the process of writing stories has always seemed completely freeform and otherwise unscientific. But the weirdest thing about movies then, is that even with all these building blocks, someone like Steven Seagal could go on to appear in 57 fucking films that exercise almost the exact same plot points where he plays an ex-military slash ex-government agency person sent in to save a random lady from a nondescript gang of baddies, whom he dispatches with his inexplicable kung fu skills and or firearms, and also he always has a patsy-like sidekick to make him seem really good. The formulaic nature of which is akin to having access to almost an infinite choice of beverages and then settling on nothing but a few bottles of Fanta. Anyway, although it's like shooting fish in a barrel the size of a shot glass, criticising the works of Steven Seagal, it still makes me wonder if we'll ever find that 37th traumatic situation, whether the rest of the time we'll be forever experiencing the well-treading paths of established storytelling. Gentlemen, your rebuttals. Well, there was 37 after um, Chicken Little was released. Yeah, uh, Under Siege, that's 38. Under Siege mm. 2. Yeah, on a train. That's a different <laughs> thing, isn't it? So, like, the, the, the whole dramatic situation and stuff, it's, like, really kind of abstract, but it's kind of, like, um, sort of what drives a plot forward. So it might be, um, like, an unknown family member enters um, the sort of world of the main character and they end up killing him because they're at odds and then he finds out too late that he's a family member, that sort of stuff. Yes. Like, that, that's one of the, the situations. Oh, so it's not like Miranda sits yeah. on a big cake. No. <laughs> Miranda <laughs> falls over a bit. Miranda falls. <laughs> over a kick or ending uh, a kick. Mrs. Oh, Brown no. says fuck. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Very high brow. Um, well, yeah, there's, there's that. Have you ever seen that bit? You know, Rich Hall, the comedian. Yes. He he makes that he makes that point about every Tom Cruise film is exactly the same film, but he's just in a different scenario. So Tom Cruise is a bartender. Pretty, good, pretty bartender. good bartender. <laughs> yeah. 
Until one day he, he has a, a crisis of confidence. And it's only the love of a good woman who can solve, who can bring him around and show him that he is a very good bartender. Then he's a pilot and a pretty good <laughs> pilot until one day he has a crisis of confidence. And only the love of a good woman can bring him around. And it is. And it, yeah, it, but the, the punchline to that is Tom Cruise fights the world. He's a pretty good world fighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so that there is um, a Steven Seagal movie generator online. And so <laughs> I've got a real uh, plot and a fake plot. And I want you to be able to tell me which one's fake and which one's if real. If one oh, of them so. contains Tobias Chestnut as a person, then I know that's the fake one because I had a look before. Yeah. <laughs> so, Steven Seagal is a DEA agent who needs to stop a man from his past, played by Tom Arnold, from selling drugs to kids. Seagal is joined by a monk, played by Richard Hamilton. With the odds against them, can they prevent Tom Arnold from leveling an entire city? I'm going to say that's the fake one because it's got Tom Arnold in it. And no, <laughs> films, no films have got Tom Arnold in them anymore. Uh, let me hear the other one first. Uh, Steven Seagal is a private investigator who needs to stop his childhood nemesis, played by Eric Pagosian, from kidnapping Seagal's daughter. Seagal, Seagal is joined by a high school football coach, played by Chelsea Ross. With the odds against them, can they prevent Eric Pagosian from releasing a bioweapon that would kill millions? Ooh, Ooh, now that's sort that's... of like the rock at the end there. Yeah. Ooh. I'm going to say. the boldest to rip off Cage? I'm going to say the second one is made up. No, Tobias Chestnut in the first one. <laughs> so this is kind of like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but they're both the garbage dump. Oh. <laughs> None of them were real. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, the thing is, it's like, oh, it's... Either it's, of them could have oh, been genuine. Yeah. yeah. We have a um, they, they, we have did. a plot generator they for did. Hallmark of Greatness Last Orders, where we fed data into this random generator, and it will give us a plot that is almost as nonsensical as that. But yeah, Hallmark films follow the same the same tropes and ideas every time. Most things do. Like if you look at, yeah. you know, The Mummy, Indiana Jones, it's the same film. Yeah, The Rock. The Rock makes the same film over and over again. Somebody somebody posted something on Reddit the other week, and it was a, a shot of The Rock looking inquisitive in a khaki safari suit. Yeah. What was his eyebrow shot, raised? Khaki safari suit. Yeah. You, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, and it was, and it was like these four shots are from four different yep. films, and I'm like, so there's somebody who's a big, massive rock fan who's rocked up and gone, that looks good, I'm gonna go see that, and they've watched the previous three, and they came he's out, he's found his like, niche, that was, my, that was my eight quid, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's not like he's not getting paid it's through just, the nose for it, I can't, I can't be angry well, at him, it's more. Well, the thing, well, well, that's it with the entertainment industry. Nobody is dragging you to the cinema to watch that, are they? You know, I think a lot of people are like, I know what this is going to be. It's going to be 90 minutes of The Rock being rockish. Brilliant. I watched, uh, I was very um, snooty about uh, the Fast and the Furious films, thinking these are just going to be absolute nonsense. And, and I sat there, I watched them all over two days, and they are all absolute fucking yeah. nonsense. Oh, but the nonsense. they're a delight yeah. because they're unabashed yeah. in their ridiculousness. I apart from like, I apart from two and three, they can get in the bin because they're shite. <laughs> but yeah, but right. it's great because the first one, it's a gang stealing DVD players. In the sixth one, they're dragging a safe through the streets of Rio de Janeiro, bending the laws of physics <laughs> and, and then by this one they're in space one of them's got a cyborg like fucking iguana with him it's it's just batshit and it, it, i like that but i can't tell uh, are you told the, the, the truth they, they do the maths what they did the maths everything about really everything apart from the robot iguana yeah i think in nine one of them goes to space fuck off yeah. what? They, did, they did the they did the maths for fast and furious six and they were like right in order for the plane to be traveling like you know the scene where they're on yep. the runway they worked out that the runway had to be like 28 miles long and there isn't a there isn't a runway in existence. Why would there be a runway 28 miles long? 
exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I can again. It's it's think of I can suspend my disbelief if the film keeps me entertained, and I don't need you know a Werner Herzog documentary to be entertained. Sometimes I just want to watch robots kicking fuck out of each other for an hour and a half. But I wonder That's, if if people yeah. uh, in in cases like these are really not bothered what the actual plot is. At what point are we just going to let AI write the scripts because people will just see it for who the actors are? Don't fucking start Chucky on AI, mate. You know he hates it. <laughs> We're already at a point where we can get like the likeness of an actor to speak in their own voice or any old voice whilst looking like photorealistic. So we, we must be so close to this now. But, what, yeah, is it so hiring out? actors like and just having it all done in a, in my mind? Is it so out of the question in say like two hundred years time the way you have your own movie generator and say I want to like, type it in I want to see the Rock driving cars in space and he blows up the moon enter and then you that's, know you give it an hour like to. 10 years away maybe and then you can just watch away. the film that you've that you've put in hmm. yeah just and like no that wasn't good and there's also a random chicken that poops gold oh man oh that much better yeah it's, it's i hope happen. the estate of norman wisdom is out of copyright by then because i've got ideas because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a four a four chan green text ai generator now you can put in a couple of lines and it finishes the rest for you I don't know how sort of broad. Yeah, but I, that's I, that's the green text generator, though, isn't that? Yeah, I mean that is is known for non sequiturs and yeah. you know and things coming out of, of random like that. But did you like hear the, the paintings one... thing they've been doing and 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 you know all of those? We we made a bot read all the Harry Potter books and. Yeah. And it's like, is it or is it just someone being funny? Yeah. Either way, like, well done. But there was a there was a there was a story that I know a lot of the yeah a lot of the stuff. It's like it's it's blatantly obvious that that it's just you know bot interaction. And I the one that got me was there was a guy who who su- supposedly thought he had over a million um, Twitter followers, and they had a bit of a clean up on Twitter, and they got rid of a lot of bots, and his and his followers dropped to about twenty five thousand mm. actual Musk. followers. Yeah. And yeah, probably yeah. Uh, Shadow ban about ninety five. <laughs> about 95% of his um, interactions with what he thought were real people, he was just interacting with bots. And I just think to myself, that's mental. Like 95% of the discourse that he's had on social media has been with AI that doesn't I know exist. we're getting well it's away from Chucky's topic like here, but isn't there like Sorry. literally a thing now where you can have like a pretend girlfriend on your phone? And like the more you talk to it, the more it reacts. Like a real person in that respect. Like that episode of of Star Trek The Next Generation where Johnny LaForge makes the engineer to problem shoot with. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I thought you were assuming something in the holodeck because never go in the holodeck because something will come to life constantly. (laughs) Every We should have safety protocols for this sort of stuff. Ah, but I'm warf and I want to turn them off because I'm a dangerous bat. I've got something to prove. I've got a chip on my shoulder. No, yeah, but he codes it and then. It's really weird, and it does raise a lot of questions that I've turned in today, because at the end, he meets the actual engineer, and he's really pissed off that she doesn't fall in love with him immediately. And he's like, yeah. But I'm <laughs> blind. He raises a lot says, of I'm a nice guy. I'm <laughs> a <laughs> nice guy. As he, phase, as he phases her. <laughs> <laughs> Slips something in her drinking tempo with treats out. Uh, right, on that on note. John um, being a date rapist allegation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joe. For me... Going to the cinema is as close as I like to get to a religious experience. Maybe it's because trips there as a child for me were rare. The first film I ever saw at the cinema was Ghostbusters 2. But the whole thing feels very, very special. I don't know whether it's just me. And for a brief period in my life, I would go and watch anything and everything that they would show at the local multiplex. I mean, literally anything. And for every Oscar-winning piece of celluloid I watch, my eyes wide in disbelief. 
I also sat through some right howlers. Now, I've never been one to walk out of a bad film, being northern and tight-fisted, so I stay. As you never know, it might get better. Ghost Rider, however, does not get better. <laughs> what makes a film bad is just subjective, right? One man's trash is another man's treasure. I mean, I'm sure if you ask about on the internet, you'll find someone who loves Nicolas Cage's stellar performance as Johnny Blaze. I mean, Jesus Christ, I have another better podcast about Hallmark films. <laughs> Cunt. <laughs> yes, while we have the Oscars and Golden Globes and BAFTA for a sort of peer-reviewed good films, what about stuff for the absolute dreck the industry turns out? Say hello to the Golden Raspberry Awards, or more annoyingly known as the Razzies, offering prizes for things such as Worst Picture, Worst Actor and Worst Screenplay, among many others. The Razzies are seen by some as a kind of reality check for the backstabbing and cronyism that seemed to feel pervasive throughout all of Hollywood. And I guess, like, for a sort of time it was. Notable winners are Halle Berry for that Catwoman film that she'd done, and Paul Verhoeven for directing the Elizabeth Berkeley masterpiece, Showgirls. You see, these things are earned. However, in recent years, the awards have come under harsh, and I would say justified criticism, as it's been revealed that the board of voters don't even watch the films that they're voting for, and therefore just pick out easy targets of things that other reviewers have said are bad. Many films, actors and directors have also picked up Oscars and Razzies for the same film, which just goes to show that, like everything in life, the whole exercise is in futility. Go and watch what you like, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise, unless it's Ghost Rider, because seriously, fuck that movie. <laughs> Gentlemen, your rebuttals. Who, who's won an Oscar and a Razzie? Oh, loads of people. Um, if you bear with me a second, I can I can tell you. I think Halle Berry. I think Halle Berry. Not for the same film, but um, she for did for no. Monsters Ball and then for Catwoman. There have but there have been films yeah. nominated for Best Oscar and um, like Best Picture and Worst Picture. I think no, I think Prince got nominated for uh, maybe not. Uh, I think he got a Grammy for Purple Rain and then got a Razzie for the sequel to Purple Rain, which I can't uh, remember the, the name of that one. Fine, that's no, not fair. Um, but yeah, it's um, there are people that have, have uh, they have an award for like bounce back of the thing, and it's just like it's all a bit, aren't we clever? Oh, look at us, we can pick films that are bad. Yeah, but I like yeah. bad films to an extent. Yeah. But uh, like, so, not to so, sound like an old person, but I I like you, Joe, was very um, on the weekend because a cinema ticket for a sort of young teenager costs about two pound. Yeah, I could go and watch about three films in from lunch till tea time and then walk yeah. home. Go pay for one and then sneak into another one. I'm sure there was one day when I was about mm. 12, I watched The Mummy Returns about three times. <laughs> Just stayed in the cinema and didn't come out. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I mean. And it was you know, poor northern town. There was nothing else to do, really. Yeah. But like I said, I sat through the fucking spirit. You know, I, I, I've sat through absolute, I've sat through that Jim Carrey film where he's got amnesia. Uh, the number 26, 20, whatever it was. Yeah. They find whatever, a book that's yeah. got top secrets written on it. And I was like, <laughs> fucking hell. It's you're a just, bit on uh, the nose, isn't it? You just reminded me when I was uh, about uh, 18, I was working at Music Zone and that film came out and it was in the charts. And these two chavs walked in. And <laughs> one of them said, Oh, mate, look at that number 23. Uh, it's supposed to be well good. Is that, and, it, and said, why is that? Oh, something like, if you see the number 23, you die. And then the other one said, <laughs> and then the other one said, oh, that sounds mint. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, oh. I don't sound... know, what, what, what film is that? <laughs> I'm trying to think. 
it's the 1604 is it with the hotel room but yeah but yeah it's just that thing and and having found out that they don't even watch the films mm. that they're supposed to be like even yeah, the, you had one fucking job that's you? it and if you're just going i'm just gonna look at fucking rotten tomatoes and pick things that people don't like yeah as we found out rotten tomatoes is not the best aggregator because it can be rid- it can be rigged mm. So and like, it can be review bombed a lot job. as well from yeah. people. Oh, they put oh, a woman it? in this yeah. film. Let's say it's bad. Yeah. All right, neckbeards, calm down. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like it's like um, cats. I'm sure you know. For I've I've heard the reviews aren't favourable, but I've not passed judgment on it yet because I've not. I've seen, seen it. it twice and it's great. Yeah. Have you? Is it twice at the <laughs> cinema? Anything uh, with James Corden? Wow. Now immediately. I fucking like... love James Corden. I think he is to the modern day piece of shit. <laughs> it's one of those films where they went let's make a film where everyone's a cat and at no point did someone go but why why are we doing yeah. this yeah. we could be curing <laughs> cancer or making other cars we could, but we no here we are having shit. animating a cat of rebel wilson that tears its own skin off why they had buttholes as well on the cats right uh, they cut all the buttholes the they cut it out yeah. in the cinema release i saw there was two of them apart from james corden one of them was, just was one not giant judy dench either yeah Buster for Jones, more like ball face fucking James Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what was everybody's first film? So you you saw Ghostbusters two first. at cinema, yes. A cinema film, cinema yeah. film. Ooh, um... That was at the Mayfair in um, Bessies of the Barn. Yeah, Bessies. I went. Yeah, I think my first film ever was that. I think I went to see a re-release of, or the first time I remember going to see it at the cinema was a re-release of Bambi. It might have been like, I don't know, say the 40th or 50th mm. anniversary, so we went to see a, a release of it. And it was, oh, I'm, let's I'm, scour another generation six. of you, so let's do it. <laughs> yeah, with the uh, with the shotgun thing. I just remember being indifferent to it. Um, I, I do know, I know what my contention for the, um, I, I know what my uh, my nomination for the worst film I've ever seen at the cinema would be. I went to see, uh, has anyone seen Aeon Flux with uh, Charlize yep. Theron in it? That was, I remember sitting in there and uh, I remember getting about 40, 40 minutes into it, and I must have been, I was a teenager when it came out, and I just remember thinking, this just Garbage. awful. This is a really objectively yep. bad film. I would. I don't want to sit here for the next hour, but to my mate, it was like, do you want to go? And he was like, what are we going to do? The boss isn't for like an hour. <laughs> we may like, as well be warm. Get comfortable. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. My mum's not picking me up, and it's October, so okay. Yeah. I mean, that was that long yeah. ago as well, that the cinema would, you'd have an intermission while they changed the reel over, and a lady would come out with ice cream and... Yes. Yeah. Uh, a box a box of wine bums yeah. yes great guys <laughs> they should bring that back seeing as out all films nowadays are at least minimum of eight hours long yeah. I want at least one toilet break so I don't die of bladder infections please you can get an app yeah. I, I think there's an app that it's called like pee break or something and if you're watching a film you start it when the film starts and you obviously you put in what film you're going to watch and it sort of buzzes at the time where it's like nothing is going to happen for the next five oh, minutes. Oh, that's quite clever. And you can get <laughs> Dash up. out, have a slash. Yeah. Dash Don't out. get stuck in anyway. the toilet. Pointless exposition for the next movie that might not be released. Yeah, that's well, yeah. That's, that's quite, yeah, I like that. That's that's technology being used for good, not animating cats. Yeah. I might be wrong on the name of the app, but there is a definite <laughs> app that does that. Um, I thought you were going to say there was an app that like you can pee on your phone and it will absorb it. <laughs> I thought it was like if everybody votes on it, then they pause the film so everybody can go I, to I mean, it. I mean, I'd yeah. be there for that as well. I made my wife watch Ghostbusters. I thought I can't be that bad. And I was like, it'll get better. It'll get better. <laughs> oh, it's finished. It never got better. <laughs> At one point, he says, "We are legion, for we are many." And I was like, "Fuck you! This is this is bad." Yeah, yeah. he spent all the CGI on Nicolas Cage's yeah. hair in that film, apparently. <laughs> 
It sets on fire, doesn't it? No, but like in the shots when he's not on fire, they CGI'd like his hairline in because he was oh, he was thinning God. back, apparently. <laughs> Fun facts. Anyway. Anyway, shout out if we can please have today's scores. Right. Yes, so um, I kind of feel obligated after my uh, faux pas earlier, but um, I think the uh, the winner of today's episode is uh, Mr. Joe Higgins. Um, so congratulations, my man. Um, you are the proud recipient of the Roman Polanski Award. It's a cursed challenge, yeah. that man. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> right, thank you very much. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Weird Thing Pod. Come and say hello. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Weird thing about that. You know the top top trick with that is you butter the bottoms of it so they don't see. <laughs>